0: Yo, what's up? You're listening to the Keeping It Raw podcast. And I'm Barbara Walters, and this is 2020. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Keeping It Raw. I am Raw. And today, today's show is for adults only. Uh, and I only say that so the kids know how cool it is that they're listening. <laughs> but today's show is about the Golden State Killer I wanted to talk about that today because I watched this documentary last night. Uh, We were watching it. It was really late and uh, we were really tired and I just threw it on and I was fascinated with how much I didn't know about this and I wanted to just share it with you guys. So if you're listening to this, uh, you probably already know who it is, but they did catch the person known as the... uh, Golden State Killer. So it all started back in the 70s. Uh, this guy named Joseph D'Angelo, he was a police officer for some time uh, until he got fired. And so the way it happened, what happened was he was engaged to this girl, and at some point she cut it off. I guess he was abusive. And then he, re- or he got married and started having kids. So he's having kids, and at night <laughs> he is going burglaring and uh, eventually starts raping. And in some cases, he kidnaps and uh, rapes. And then uh, later on, he moved to uh, killing. And it was interesting the way it all happened because it escalated. And it was like one of those classic cases of people who commit crimes uh, and get a thrill out of it. And they end up escalating things. Uh, What happened was they thought they had a serial burglar. He had burglarized a hundred homes. I mean, breaking into people's homes, burglarizing, that's crazy itself. Then they thought they had a separate person who was a serial rapist and this person would break into homes, uh, single women or women that were alone and, um, tie them up, tie up their kids. If the kids were in the house and rape them, he would stay in the house for several hours, uh, just tormenting them. Uh, he would eat their food. He would drink their drinks he would ransack the place. He stole things, but they were personal items to these people. They weren't just like random items. They were items that had initials, you know, engraved initials in it or engraved dates, things like that. So he's doing all this, uh, and they also thought they had a separate person as uh, doing multiple murders as a serial murderer or serial killer. It wasn't until I think around the nineties when they realized that all of these crimes were done by the same person at that point. They didn't know who the killer was, but they knew that it was the same person and uh, it was pretty scary. Uh, The scary parts about this were the, way he would do his crimes. So he would stalk people and man the crimes happened so rapidly. They happened within, you know, days of each other. In one day, in one night, he went to two different homes and raped two different women. That's how brazen he was. Wow. There was a a time where uh, the newspaper, you know, was sharing the news about this because it's a big deal and it was all primarily on one side of the city in Sacramento uh, where all this was happening. So, you know, guns were flying off the shelves, um, locks, people were buying new locks for their homes. They were trying to make sure they locked every window, every door. It was, it was wild. One lady who became a rape uh, victim advocate she uh said that her husband had just left the house and within 2 minutes this guy had been in her house she heard him running towards her bedroom door her son was in the bed with her 3 year old son and uh he tied both of them up and for a moment uh he had moved the son to a different location uh she didn't know where he was and two hours later, four hours later, I think it, I think he generally stayed for four hours, uh, in the homes of the victims. He went back and, um, and put the son back in the room and he's a three-year-old boy just bound up blindfolded and gagged. So I don't think anything was done to the boy, but you know, it's a scary situation. So he would do these kind of things. Uh, the newspaper then later said, "Oh well, he you know he doesn't attack when a man is there." So he made it his mission. The very next attack after that newspaper article came out to attack a home where the husband was there. And what he would do is he would um, bind the husband and. Uh, I, tie them up like pig tie. So they're laying on their stomach on the ground. They're tied behind their back. Their arms are, and then their feet are tied up. And he would put a stack of dishes on his back and say, you know, if you move, if you rattle and I hear those dishes rattling, I'm going to come and kill you. And then I'm going to kill your wife and your kids. In some cases, the kids were all witness to everything going on as well. So you have like severe PTSD going on with these families for all these years. 40 years he got away with this. 40 years. There was a community meeting that happened also. And in the community meeting where they're trying to make everybody aware, trying to take precautions, uh, there was a guy that stood up and said, you know, said something to agitate him. You know, like he's not a real man, you know that kind of thing that it wasn't real that you know and so the guy who stood up and said that in that community meeting him and his wife later became victims so uh this guy was brazen and the crimes escalated he went from robbery to uh breaking and entering and raping and to killing uh, he did it in different locations across the state of California. He was known as the East Area Rapist. Um, and uh, in, in 2016, um, a lady named, uh, her last name's is McNamara, she, she passed away. But she had started doing research. She's one of the many people that were investigating this, trying to get an answer who this guy was and renamed him the golden state killer because of all these crimes in 1986 all the uh, crimes that this person committed stopped as far as they know and it was wild listening all this uh you know the guy has been subsequently caught now and you may have even seen a headline about uh, what he's done um, and the fact that he just got sentenced to life in prison. Uh, but there are a couple other things that went on. Uh, first was that in 1986, they try to figure out, you know, they, now that they know who it is, they try to look back and say, what happened in 1986 that caused him to stop? And it was the year of his youngest daughter's, uh, birth. So his youngest daughter is born and all the crimes stopped. A uh, couple years later in 1991, him and his wife separate. They to this day are still married. And a lot of people believe that the reason they're still married is because she knew something and she herself is a divorce lawyer. So after 20 years of not divorcing a man that you separated from, you know, what would be the reason for that? You're a divorce lawyer. So a lot of people believe that she knew stuff and she's trying to protect herself, uh, by not incriminating herself. Because if you're married to somebody, you cannot require them to testify against somebody. Did you know that? So pretty cool. Uh, I mean, it's not cool. It's a horrible situation. Uh, but so a lot of people feel like that she knows, you know, she was aware. the, Main detective that worked on this from the get-go back in Sacramento in the 70s always said publicly, somebody knows something. Somebody has to know something. Somebody knows that if their spouse is leaving at night as often as this man was, that it wasn't to go do a job. He wasn't, you know, on the job. Somebody knew something. And so she feels like, you know, the wife was the person. She... That she had to have known. How do you not realize that your spouse is gone that much and it's not for work at night? You know, how do you, you know, he was collecting items from these people. Little trinkets, little, you know, wedding bands or uh, jewelry or things with people's names on it. Initials, dates on them. And he stored, he kept all that. They even found a lot of that stuff when they arrested him. So all these years he's accumulating all these things and you're telling me the wife didn't know somebody didn't know it's wild. So what happens is they have the man's evidence, uh, the DNA uh, gathered from evidence of the crime scenes and, um, the, uh, the cold case detective who's working on all this, he, uh, decides to make a fake profile on one of these DNA websites to find your genealogy, uh, like Ancestry.com. And he makes a fake profile. He called it an undercover profile and submitted the DNA as his own to find out if there were any matching relatives. And sure enough, he finds a cousin and... uh, when they find the cousin, he finds five you know people that would have been in the age range of the killer um and in that area, and narrows it down to the man named Joseph uh De or D'Angelo, and uh starts doing recon on him. And goes into this trash and takes, you know, DNA samples out of his trash. Confirms them, and they arrest him. And when they go to arrest him, he's shocked. He's speechless. He, Of course, I mean, after 40 years, probably didn't think he was going to get caught. Um, but had no, I guess, in the interview room, wouldn't speak at all. Would just say, uh, wouldn't speak at all. He would just be blank and just have a kind of defeated Uh, attitude so there's a couple interesting people that he came in contact with you know one was the person from the um, town hall meeting that they did another was a girl who was his youngest victim uh, that he raped Uh, she was 13 years old and uh, this young girl you know everybody was aware of you know what was going on because it was big news and it was in a specific area that it started out in so she was aware she read and saved all the news clippings. Uh, so she decided that um, you know, she knew how to handle it and, uh, of course, had no idea that she would one day be a victim. She said that she um, uh, was in her room sleeping and the man broke in and uh, he tied up the mom and tied her up and she knew what she had to do to survive. She knew how she needed to act to survive. She was 13 years old but had this mindset, you know, had total control and uh you know, said things to try to ruffle his feathers. She wasn't afraid um because she wasn't he wasn't killing at that time. So she would say things like, you know, you're nothing, you mean nothing to me, you know, those kind of things and which is very strong for a 13-year-old to say that's going through such a traumatic experience, but she did, and um, she later said, you know, if, I had, if that had been me, you know, years later when he had progressed to killing people, she said there's no doubt I'd be dead, you know, for saying what she said and just the fact that she was a victim. Um, but, you know, you wonder, like, what other kind of clues were there? Who else knew about it? Who else had to know something? And that is one of the major things red flags that a lot of people felt was missed. So he was a police officer and he, um, was fired. And what happened was, uh, he w- apparently he was a good police officer. His, uh, they interviewed his old, um, partner and he said the guy was a genius. He said he was smart. He said he was well capable and he'd be able to go to a crime scene and com- take complete control some of the crime scenes he was in charge of were his own crime scenes. You know, he had committed a crime and then he'd be on duty and be in charge of going back to the crime scene and collecting evidence and such. And so he would collect evidence and apparently, you know, discard it, you know, because, of course, if he turned anything in, he'd just be implicating himself. So he did a lot of that. And um, uh, at one point in the 70s, He got caught stealing um, some items. I don't remember what what it was, but uh, it was uh, two items. They were small items, something like dog, something for a dog uh, vaccination or something. There weren't anything that in itself was a red flag, but the fact that he was a police officer and got caught stealing was a problem. And so his uh, chief of police fires him and he threatens him. He says, I'm going to kill you. And, uh, a couple days later, his daughter, his teenage daughter, uh, looks out the window and sees this man standing there, you know, she goes and screams and her dad comes in and, you know, um, doesn't see him anymore, but sees his footprints outside of her window. And, um, he said, it at that time that he thought that it was Joseph D'Angelo, but that problem had never, that red flag had never been raised. There was nothing else mentioned about it. And you would have thought that, Hey, you have a, a guy, a stalker, and you think, you know who it is that you would have said something about it, that you would have told somebody. And, you know, he told nobody, um, Now that he has been caught, uh, and he's in jail and in any of the, um, uh, photos you see of him or videos you see of him in court, he's in a wheelchair. He looks very feeble. I mean, he is in his seventies. Uh, however, uh, they just say that's a facade that he's fine. Uh, they say that he has the body of a 70 year old, uh, but the agility of a 50 year old. And they said that he rode a bike. Uh, He had a bike um, exercise equipment at the house that he rode every day. He rode a motorcycle everywhere. That was his vehicle. Um, And that he was very agile. He's fine. And so of course his lawyers are trying to refute that, that, you know, he's weak and such. And of course that plays to any jury or such And so uh, they, the DA, you know, in charge of prosecuting him, releases video of his uh, cell, his prison cell. And in the video, over the course of weeks, it might have even been a month of um, footage, they show, you know, that he's fine. He would walk in the cell with a cane, lay the cane down, and proceed to climb on things. He was standing up on the bunk bed he would you know stand up on the desk to clean Uh, he was it it seemed like he's a neat freak uh, from how much he cleaned Um, he would you know put a wet rag on the floor and wipe it around the whole cell with his foot you know mopping so you know just proving that he's agile he's fine and his uh, his victims got to, of course, say their piece. And, you know, um, I mean, imagine the PTSD for entire families that this happened to. Entire families hogtied in their home in the middle of the night. I was watching all this at 1 a.m. in the morning, freaking out. We go to bed and I'm like. Yeah, I don't watch anything like that. (laughs) I got freaked out by The Purge because The Purge seemed real. So I'm making sure all the windows are locked, all the doors are locked. And, uh, of course, everything's fine, but certainly makes you question. A lot of people were getting dogs trying to guard their home so that they can be alerted. But this guy was ruthless there was one kid there's one guy he um he was i think he was 17 at the time and his mom had seen you know joseph d'angelo uh outside and he was in the backyard but he wasn't looking at their house he was looking at the neighbor's house and so she yells you know hey there's a guy outside you know to her son and her son He's a, he's like a, he's very athletic. He, um, I think he was a track star or whatever for a school. He runs outside and he, he thinks it's just a kid. So he's running after this guy. The guy starts jumping fences and he's thinking, no, nah, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to give up. I'm going I'm to catch you. You know, I'm going to tell your parents, they're going to know that, you know, you're out here, you know, up to no good. So he starts chasing him and Uh, Joseph DeAngelis is like in the cul-de-sac and he's stuck in a yard and he's trying to figure out if he's going to go this way or that way, this way or that way. And the guy decides, you know, I'm just going to tackle him. So he runs towards him. Joseph DeAngelis runs towards a fence, jumps the fence and, um, the kid, you know, grabs him and is able to push him on the ground. So they're on the ground, they're tussling and Joseph DeAngelis has a gun and shoots him. And so he's on the floor, you know, and Joseph DeAngelis just takes off. And um, what they said was that, um, of course, this guy is fine now. He's older, of course, 40 years later. Uh, But, yeah, they said they just caught the worst of it. And he said, I almost had him that night. I almost had him. And uh, he just felt like he could have saved a lot of people. And he would mislead people. Of course, he was a cop, so he kind of knew the routine. He knew what to say. He knew how to get away, Um, and so he would do things to throw off the scent. He would tell his victims, don't tell the cops you saw my van outside. Don't tell the cops you saw my van outside. He told multiple victims that, but he had no van. He never had a van. There was never a van outside. Uh, He just hoped that the victims would tell that to the police so that you know, they would be looking for a van versus whatever he had. And apparently he had a bicycle. So he would have a bicycle that, uh, around the corner, he would steal bikes from open garages, things like that. And then he would be able to dump them because they weren't his. So he would dump them wherever and just get out of the way. In some cases he had a car, but it would be parked blocks away. And so he would ride a bicycle, you know, all the way there. Um, And so he would say little things like that to terrify people. He would call his victims. He would call his victims weeks, months later and just tell them on the phone, wasn't it fun? The game we played that night, he would just torment them and the fear that people would go through. You know, the lady that I was telling you about earlier who had her three-year-old in the bed with her, who he took out of the room, you know, she just wondered all these years where he took him. And she asked him at his sentencing, what did you do with my son that night? You know, what happened? But anyway, so I just wanted to tell you about that. They caught this guy and he's serving life in prison but be vigilant lock your homes up (laughs) get a dog anyway thanks for listening that's it for this show have a good day bye